Hey everyone, welcome to the Lead Volunteers Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm the host of the podcast. My name is Josh Denhart and we're super, super grateful that you're here. We see this as a really fun and cool time to connect with you, the listener, but also what we want to do, we don't want to be like other podcasts who have a lot of random chitter chat. We want to get right to it. We're we're here to, to create kind of like a like a mini breakout session from a national conference to have you be a part of of learning and in developing yourself in a fast and quick way. So Jeff, let's get to it, buddy. Just jump right in. You bet. Yeah, so we I mean, we were talking about this crazy season we've been in. I think it's no right. secret it'd, it'd be hard to miss that we've been <laughs> in this insane season of life with COVID-19 going on. Our, our senior pastor likes to call it the wild, wild west of ministry just because <laughs> Nobody's done anything like this before, That's so right. we're, it's all new ground and new territory for everybody. And so we're at this place now, though, a few months in, where we're sort of hitting this like rebuilding or, or restarting phase, for lack of a better term. It's it's been a few months, and we're starting to slowly open things back up. I know it depends on what state you live in and things exactly. like that, but generally things are slowly making their way back towards uh, regathering together. And so we were kind of talking before this about some different ways that we can be proactive in mm-hmm. creating the best path forward for our ministries. And one thing that uh, we were talking about that I really liked was this idea of looking back to look forward. Mm-hmm. So maybe asking some questions like what was working before or also what wasn't working before. Uh, another question, what have I wished was different about my ministry and of in general? Just asking questions like this. Yeah. And I would say I would say that there is a super, super powerful silver lining if you look at it in the following way. Um, No one is expecting things to be the same when they return. So all of your families, all of the people that that attend your church, no one is expecting it to be the same. There's an unprecedented and sweet opportunity there because 90% of people hate change. The other 10% absolutely loathe it. In other words, people don't like change. Mm -hmm. However, when things are starting over, you can try out new things and literally blame it on the corona. Okay, (laughs) if it doesn't work, stop doing it. Um, If it does work, you can continue to keep doing that. However, like I'm not talking about like changing necessarily tactics here and there. You, you can actually have a personal reboot and change some aspects about your personal leadership style. But at the end of the day, from a tactical standpoint, you can change something and get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a lot of leaders try to pull that off. But really what we want to talk about today is having like a reboot and a reset for your personal leadership. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's, it's going to be good because we, we've talked about this this word diligence or, or yep. reputation on the podcast before, uh, but kind of as we dig in deeper to this word reputation, wh- why do you think it's so important in ministry and how can we be more aware of our own reputation or yeah. diligence going forward? Yeah, I would say reputation is very interesting, right? So we are human beings and we as humans are always trying to predict the future so as to survive. Now, I know that sounds super basic, but it's actually quite true. We as human beings are always taking cues and learning clues from our environment, and that includes people around us. Now think about it. In early elementary, you walk into a room of 30 new kids. Who is safe? Who's the volatile one? Who can be trusted and who cannot be trusted? So as little kids, we start adding up, even subconsciously, small pieces of data about other people so that we as humans can make predictions about their behavior 
and or their trustworthiness. Now, hear me out real quick. The essence of a reputation is time plus consistency of any behavior. That equals a reputation. I'm going to say that again. Time plus consistency of any behavior, whether it's good behavior or bad behavior, mm-hmm. that adds up to a, reputa- a reputation. Now, as adults, let's just imagine your volunteers. Every single one of them have a reputation in a sense. I imagine everyone listening can think of that person who is consistently late. I'm not saying this to, be, to, to make a joke. However, this idea that you have kind of concluded in a sense that this person is typically late is based on a set of previous behaviors established by them. You as a leader now have to factor that into knowing this about them and they're on your team. So here it is. You, listener, out there in podcast land, you have a reputation as a leader and as a person. You have had a set of consistent behaviors, whether they are good or bad, and people know not necessarily know, they are predicting what they can expect from you. That's mm-hmm. a reputation. Now, the hardest part is to reset an already established reputation. Let's say that you got a quick tongue. You have a history of saying things you ought not to have said. Uh, th- this is because you have, this reputation, of course, is because you have had 87 little teeny data points that show that you are more prone to use your tongue and disregard what James says when he says you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Okay, great. So you happen to have a reputation. And as you come back, you want to start to reset the graph. You're coming back from the corona. How can you reset your reputation? Okay, well, let's imagine again that we have this graph and you have 87 little instances of not using your tongue and you've already laid out that that is the line of the graph. Okay, you have to start to shift that graph towards a reputation, toward having more self-control. The trick, of course, is that you gotta set 87 new little data points to at least equal the other one, and then happen to have a whole bunch more to get the graph to curve down toward this new value. Does that make sense, Jeff? Mm-hmm. So, so the same goes for hard work and diligence, right? If you are known, as a leader for cutting corners, then you have some work to do to reset that reputational graph. Yeah, so can I, I do want to interrupt for just a second because mm-hmm. I'm trying to take this all in here and I just like the incredibly scientific data that you put behind this kindergarten sure. idea. I'm sure every kindergartner is running around like, all right, I'm analyzing safety, non-safety, but it it's, is crazy it's true, right? how much we do that just without even thinking about it because you say like, all right, who's showing up late? You're like, oh, well, so-and-so. And who's doing this? And it's really easy for me to see that in others. Okay, exactly. This is that moment, I think, coming back from Corona where it's like... Who am I? Yeah, let's look in the mirror. What What's my reputation? What And maybe it involves asking your leaders and I think it seeing does. like, okay, what what is it in me that I can improve and, and working off of that? But once you, once you find out what that is... And, uh, and we're trying to move forward, I can say I have felt this before where I've come to the conclusion, okay, maybe I am not as great as communication with my leaders, Fair. being consistent in my emails with them every week or something like that. I know a couple of years ago, that's what I started to work on. And uh, I felt like I was working extra hard, being diligent, putting in the extra effort, but I wasn't necessarily seeing results. Either okay. the leaders weren't opening the emails or something would come up Monday and instead of my quote Monday email 
turn into a Tuesday or a Wednesday morning. Or email. a never. Oh, well, I at least usually got okay, it out okay. by Wednesday night for youth group stuff. But I, I felt like, all right, I'm going to put in this extra work. I'm going to do this. and I. So you were doubling down? Doing my best, okay. I, I felt like. And kind of, I don't know, I've noticed that, I mean, beyond this example, when I do put in that extra effort, I start being diligent. I start working extra hard on this. I kind of reach this fork in the road after okay. realizing like okay i'm not exactly seeing the results i want to where i can either veer off one way and say all right well nothing's happening then why would i work harder i'm just going to put in minimal effort or okay well i clearly i'm not working hard enough so i need to work okay. harder i need to got drive it, ourselves it, it, harder it. and it, i could tend to see how that could drive leaders towards burnout. Right, because in a sense, you're putting in triple the effort now, mm -hmm. and you're like, double down, and it's still not producing for you. Mm -hmm. And so rather than like, I think those are okay. like the two natural forks in the road. It's like, okay, well, this is not working, so I'm going to do Either quit, not, not quit, as in like but quit yeah, your job, I'm but like, like I'm, I'm done. Minimal effort, or all right, I got to double, triple down. And so what I've learned over the years is that there seems there's this third path. It might be small. It's probably like yeah. as narrow as Jesus referred to when he said the when he was talking about the narrow path. It's hard to see, but I think it's there. And I guess all of this to say to the people listening who may be thinking is, like, okay, well, Josh, I do work hard. I I am diligent. I I think I'm a good leader. I'm I'm doing my best. But there's still moments where I feel like I'm a dead at a dead end. Yeah. And if there was any time to feel like we're at a dead end i feel like coronavirus is that <laughs> moment where we're just like i don't know what to do That's and i can't do it anymore mm -hmm. am i doing the right thing is yeah there's so many questions that i think have rolled uh, around in our heads so all that to say when we when we feel like we've kind of hit that dead end and what would you say to that is the metric off are we Got when it. we get to the point of that fork in the road, or are we missing something? Do we just need to kind of start drafting our resignation letters? Like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> what, what do you think in okay. terms of just moving forward a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so I'm going to tell a quick uh, a fable in a sense. Uh, th let's imagine that there were two guys, and they were having a tree-cutting contest. They were both handed an axe. They went to, like, different areas of the forest. Um, and they were going to see who could cut down the most trees in eight hours. So they mm -hmm. started, and each could hear the repetitive cracking of the axe, uh, of the other guy, right? So they heard the whack, whack, and they knew that the other person was getting after it. Okay. However, one man paused for a second and he heard nothing. The first guy, his opponent had actually stopped swinging his axe. And so he took this as an opportunity to really get after it and start swinging even harder. Sure. His arms were sore, but the other guy, if he was resting, then this guy was gonna do an amazing job of pulling ahead. Mm -hmm. So throughout the day, there were times where both axes could be heard, whack, 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 hitting trees. And yet at other times, once again, the other tree cutter was no longer chopping. So this actually, um, this again, caused that first tree cutter to double down and to, to think in his mind, wow, I'm pulling ahead, fantastic. Well, eight hours of cutting had come to an end, the men were both done, they came together, and the number of trees that were cut was revealed. Here's the interesting thing. The man who seemed to be taking breaks had far more trees cut than the one who'd been swinging his ax far more times. So uh, the first man asked in disbelief. He was like, dude, how could this happen? I heard you stop. And when you did, I swung harder, convincing myself that I was clearly pulling ahead. Well, the ax the winning guy, the, the, the winning axe wielder stopped and said, well, every time you heard me not swinging the axe, I was stopping to sharpen my axe. So, hmm. Jeff, 
There is a way to work that is smarter rather than harder. There is an advantage that comes through a sharp axe because it allows faster results with less effort. So in ministry, in my opinion, it's leveraging a team. There is a significant advantage to more people than just you during, doing the work and doing it so much harder and faster and trying and trying and trying. So yes, it takes time to learn the gifts, learn the abilities, learn people's personal proclivities, how they roll and more, but it is worth it. Building a team is smarter, not harder. So what looks to be like you doing less work it's a different kind of work. And if you can build a team, you're going to have a significantly bigger advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so maybe you're suggesting that going forward, the best thing to do isn't just, all right, we got to double down, go hard, no, exactly. bring it back, go triple time here. And I like what you were saying, like right at the beginning, uh, just creating this brand new history almost. Uh, right. What we mean, uh, the looking back and seeing, okay, what's working and then creating a new it's like a new starting point mm-hmm. exactly so what would you say to the person who maybe they feel like they're failing or missing tasks because they just feel so overwhelmed in the season and overwhelmed to the point where being more diligent sounds like <laughs> a death sentence <laughs> right and i think that somebody out there is like whoa I, I get it i hear what you're saying so what i would say is some people have i an eye for details and some just don't. Here's the real trick. Find someone to join your team who does have an eye for detail. Here's something I can guarantee and promise you. There is an untapped stay-at-home soccer mom who is dying for an opportunity to use her gift of OCD for your ministry. She is longing for something to organize outside of her home. She wants adult time, right? She just needs to be enlisted. These people exist. Mm -hmm. So if you're not a detail-oriented person, stop trying to be detailed and stop trying, trying, trying. It's not about trying harder. It's about looking for, for like that leader among you that is yet to be tapped. So my person was Amy. She was a dynamo at detail and I could not have done it without her because she saw things that I never would have seen. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's sharpening the axe, like we were talking about. Exactly. Building that team kind of, rather than, maybe if you look at yourself as one narrow force heading forward, it's just broadening. It's broadening it. uh, That, whatever it is. It's broadening Mm -hmm. the gift sets, right? Exactly. And so, as I think about this this axe guy, now I have actually swung an axe, right? Mm -hmm. And before long, your muscles start getting fatigued, Mm -hmm. and you're like... It's a good shoulder workout, It's a good shoulder (laughs) workout, but you can start getting lactic acid. You can start burning out. Mm -hmm. My point is, is that what if we had a whole group of people with different gifts and different abilities? Everything is about team. I literally don't have enough. And I think it's a humbling... I, I have actually no problem with with viewing myself as not having enough, not having all of it in my own person. Mm-hmm. I've known a lot of other leaders who think it's at, like it's whether it's a pride thing or a shame thing that has that's another podcast, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But some leaders have a big sense of pride that they're like I I'm going to do this. I am going to be the best at this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good luck at that because you actually have not been endowed with every single gift in the kingdom of God. Nor were you supposed to. No, (laughs) that's it. Because there's opportunity. Everybody needs to play ball, Mm -hmm. right? 
or it's shame that this person feels inside like, I, if I can't do it, that means that I suck and I can't, I can't hurt or tax other people. They're, you're viewing it wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's far bigger than that. So, you know, as you're swinging so hard, you start fatiguing. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I want to be the coach who is cycling people in and out of, off mm-hmm. of the bench to do the work. Yeah. And I, I think something I notice about that analogy too, is the guy who is swinging extra hard when he hears nothing, he's being reactive right. rather than being proactive and sharpening his axe. And so in ministry, we've had a season of being reactive because no one was proactive and ready for Corona. <laughs> no one was ready for this to hit. And so we've been starting to get used to a few months in of yes. being reactive and switching to online and it's just shifting our ministries and what they look like. And so as we move forward, again, we said at the beginning, how can we be proactive moving forward? And so it's asking some of those questions getting back to the basics what was working before what has worked maybe we tried something new what's mm-hmm. worked during mm-hmm. the season and then maybe just boiling it right back to basics what does success in ministry look like yes what what should our goals point towards exactly well i've said it before i'm going to say it again i will continue to say it success in ministry is not what you do success in ministry is what would happen if you never returned to church. Now, let me Mm. say that again. Success in ministry is not what you do. Success in ministry is what would happen if you never showed back up. So, to be stated very boldly, if the ship would crash if you never came back, I'm telling you, that is ministry failure. If Mm. the ship sails on in your absence because you have a team, you have success in ministry. So, it's team building again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one thing I'm thinking too is this is, it's not like an overnight fast pace. It is not. If I I could say it that way, it's, I feel like we live in such a fast paced world. Everything changes so, so quick. And so saying something like this, it's hard because it takes patience and it it takes time. It takes learning your volunteers, learning your team and seeing, okay, how can these different pieces of the puzzle fit together? And so how does patience and consistency Mm -hmm. play into a fast-paced Amazon two-day shipping type right. of world that we live in. How, how would you say that fits in? <laughs> Dude, well stated, a two-day shipping world, right? Or it's the your way right away culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ministry is not a short game. There are literally no shortcuts. Uh, ministry is a long game, and it is won, in my opinion, by diligently building into others to do the work of the ministry. And then, just as you have your dream team not to poke a hole in this balloon that I've just blown up, but then somebody leaves and you got to start all the way back over. I've totally been there. Mm-hmm. Here's the funny thing. As you start to build over, as someone has left your team, you're building upon the skills that you now have as a team builder because you poured into people to begin with and now you're repetitively building teams. It's about team building and there I got to tell you there are no shortcuts there is no no two day shipping where you're like okay sweet we're going to have a high functioning team in 2 days uh try 2 years mm-hmm. right and it is time plus consistency of that behavior that's going to have this really 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 healthy team and that's all there, that, that that's the only path forward for mm-hmm. success yeah no thanks for bringing it back time plus consistency equals results mm-hmm. exactly and so 
but maybe just to kind of wrap things up and maybe give a little practical yes. steps forward uh, for the rest of this podcast, what disciplines or uh-huh. systems, practices, or approaches do you see being a key during this regathering phase of churches across the country? Perfect. I would, st- I would right now recruit a team for startup. Now, hear me out. We've talked before about like this long range team and like a puddle jumping team. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so this is gonna be a short term team. And I would say, I need your help. Um, and I would say, this is a time of coming back. It's ripe for people to see that there's a need. Mm-hmm. Now that you're not gonna be able to get any and everybody because some people, I mean, I've heard from a lot of leaders that some people have jettisoned and they're like, I don't want to volunteer. I'm out because their life is chaos right now. But there's some who are still very, very, very willing and committed. Now, here's the interesting thing. As we come back, it's both going to be harder and easier. Let me explain. There are going to be few people, fewer people coming to your church. Therefore, the workload in some ways is smaller. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, because you don't have, let's say that you are the, the, the greeting team or the usher team. Right now, as I've talked to leaders all across the country, it's about one-third. In the church mm-hmm. that you and I serve at, about one-third of the people came back on a, our first Sunday back. It was actually closer to 50%. But the statistics show that around that 25 to 45%, and that's reported churches. I'm exactly. sure that's exactly. people but, who but aren't reported. Ev- but it's a, it's a small it's percentage. It's a smaller percentage. And mm-hmm. so it's not as hard because you don't have so many people. And... Also, we normally have two services. We're back to one. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's, there's just a factor that starting up could actually have the semblance of easier. Now, this is the time to bring a team of people around you and around even a brand new table to troubleshoot the details and pragmatics of coming back. At the end of the day, it sounds as if this is a, uh, a drum that we continue to beat. It is. Get a team 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 and i would gather around you a group of people who are detail oriented i might even get somebody who is more safety prone and i might get somebody around you during this startup time who is more doesn't care about the corona prone a nice balance a nice balance mm-hmm. and i would i would literally not throw open the floodgates but i would bring trusted people in and mm-hmm. i would make a team at the end of the day you have an opportunity to reset a reputation that you are not a lone ranger. This is this is the big takeaway, I would say. If you have a reputation of being a lone ranger, stop doing that and begin to set a reputation that you gather t- people around you and you are a team, team, team. Does that make sense, Jeff? Mm-hmm, definitely. Couldn't have said it better. Time plus consistency equals reputation and so i think we're gonna shut things down with that we want to say before we take off to check out leadvolunteers.com lead volunteers it's a done for you online master level course that will help you if you're worried and concerned about okay how do i put teams together going forward we have a done for you ready to plug and play into your ministry process that you can kind of tweak and and form to your ministry context and so we'd definitely encourage you check out leadvolunteers.com and we'll see you back next week for another podcast